This next episode is brought to you by Emo's Not Dead Apparel. Our first revival tour did so incredible, and you guys loved it, that we wanted to bring it back, but in different designs. This is my chihuahua hanging out with a pack of wolves. Check out this one. It says Emo's Not Dead, I think. I can't quite read it. Look how that skeleton rides that horse. You can find all this and more at emosnotdead.com. Thanks for supporting our brand. It's because of you guys that we can survive. We're, we're in a shitty garage right now. It's not even my garage. So if you buy the merch, we can do this again. I don't know if they're going to put this in there on this ad read, but I, we need you right now. We have quite an episode for you guys today because we have Luke Holland is in the house, everybody. Give it up. Let's go. First of all, um, when Gavin and I were doing research on you, Gavin brought to my attention, which I didn't know this because I actually wait, take it back. Where did we meet? Do this you... is actually a really good question. I was thinking about this on the drive over here. I just remember the last time that we saw each other, but I'm trying to think when we met each other. Yeah, do either of us we... remember? Bro, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because I've I've known you for so many years now, but like, was it because I played I played in my old band? We did Warp Tour a few years. I don't think I would have met you there. No, we didn't. I don't think we met in a musical context. It could have been social media. I, it probably was. We probably like followed each other and started talking from there or something. Something like that. Damn. And then there's uh, the old, uh, the last time we saw each other, oof. which was four years ago, which is absolutely mind-blowing yeah. to me. It's crazy. That was wild. Yeah. We, while we're on it, let's just share that story. Yeah. Okay? Because like, we started talking about it when, when Luke first got here, but I was like, save it for the podcast, because that was a weird story. Last time I saw Luke, I believe it was like 2019, Ariel and I were cast as the couple in this Jeep commercial. And we show up and didn't know this, but you were the drummer for the band, and it was Jeremy Renner's band. <laughs> so Jeremy Renner is does music. Do you guys do you guys see you guys ever watch the Chris D'Elia podcast? Yep. I've seen a, a couple things. So he has a running joke about Jeremy Renner oh. being in a rock band. Yeah. <laughs> and like Jeremy Renner has some song, yeah, something super like rock, and Chris always makes fun of him. And I cannot get that out of my head from actually being there watching Jeremy Renner perform live. So <laughs> I had <clears throat> the strangest interaction with him. And I'm just curious to know what your experience was drumming for him because I'm pretty sure he was on drugs that day. He was um <laughs> Gavin. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much I can I can say, but uh, you know, he was having fun. He was having fun, he was right? Having fun. He, yeah. was <laughs> he was a great time, dude. I mean, I like we'd be in between takes and they had me all like they like had me like bronzed up and I just didn't look like myself at all and put on something I would never wear out in public. And I oh, was like, dude. respect, let's do this. Yeah. And then he would just like come up in between takes and dude, he it felt like he was like unhinged slightly. It was kind of Bro. exciting in a way. Yeah. But he'd come up and look at me in his eyes. I was like, God damn. <laughs> and then he would slap my cymbals super hard. But Bro. then you look back at the footage of the music video, and it looks sick. Yeah. No, it looks, yeah. dude, it looks dope. So It's so, pretty fun. So what happened to catch up Gavin and the audience is they Jeep filmed a commercial at an actual music video shoot for Jeremy Renner's band. It was a weird collab like that. Ariel and I were, were cast, like I said, as the the husband and wife going to this concert. So we were driving this Jeep through, like, the rolling hills. We show up to this little... Uh, to this like diner slash venue, and then we rush up to go watch Jeremy Renner's band, and um, I just will never forget like the edit ended up looking good, and it was like him playing a rock star worked, but I remember sitting front row and watching Jeremy Renner play a rock star and like being like, 
damn, this is so weird. <laughs> and just because he was so, he was so into it as if he actually did drugs to like play the part of a rock star. Oh, funny. Yeah, it, it's like so yes, method. Because so he, method. It was super method, and I've never played with uh, a musician that's not actually. Like, he is a musician, don't get me wrong. Like, he actually can sing, he can actually do all that stuff. But do you know what I mean? Like, when I yeah. play with, like, when I play with, like, uh, Ronnie Radke or whoever it is, they live and breathe music and they have their whole life. Yeah. So he was, like, he was acting. I don't know how to explain it. Was it was like a cartoon it, character. Yes, it was like a caricature a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was interesting. It was, he, he crushed it. He did crush it. And it, it was like him fulfilling, like, a childhood fantasy. Like, holy shit, I can now be a rock star because I'm an A-list actor and now I'm doing this thing, yes. and like they hired a crowd to be there. So though I don't necessarily know if he if he would, who knows, if he would draw a crowd as as a musician. I don't know if he's touring or not. All I knew was what we learned on that set. But he just gave it his all. And when he walked over to the front, the um, director from the shoot introduced him to me and Ariel, who were the we were kind of the lead characters of that. Like the commercial followed us going to his concert, and. Did not did not give a shit about me at all. Went to Ariel, looked at her, like like sh like shook her hand, and I was like, hey, I was like, I'm Matt, and he just kind of like looks off and and just like, like walks away, and I'm like, come on, bro. wild, like just saw a pretty girl, said hi. I'm just there like a geek. I'm like, I'm Matt, and I put my hand out. Doesn't give a shit. Walks away, and then kind of like does a little rock star like dance away, and I'm like, we we, we were cut by the way, and Gavin, I'm telling you, oh when we were cut. He was still, still in character and still wandering around and doing like weird shit. Like Johnny Depp vibes. Very Johnny Depp vibes, dude. It Interesting. Was... We're gonna need to put a clip in. Let's I, put I let's let's find it. Let's put a clip in if we can. Um, most impractical commercial ever. The most it was <laughs> two people <laughs> traveling through <laughs> like go, rolling hills to go see Jerry <laughs> to go see Jerry Redder perform. It was weird. So anyway, um that was a very interesting day, but it was it was good to see you, man. That's the last time I saw you. I just remember like like I was setting my kid up. And then I, I heard somebody say my name, and I turned around, and it was you two. I was like, "What the hell are you guys doing here? Like, what is going on?" It was just a weird, that was weird collision of worlds. That was great. But, yeah, but it happened. That was great. It was a good time. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, dude, I was I was doing some research on. Well, Gavin is is our our nerd, as we've said before. Yep. Uh, and Gavin was doing uh, a lot of research on you, which I've known you as a buddy, and um, we have mutual friends. And I know of you through your career in playing music as a touring drummer. But Gavin brought it to my attention that did you start on YouTube before joining bands? Yes. So 2009, I started a YouTube channel. I was like 16 years old, still in high school. I had like broken, shitty gear that I saved all my money, like mowing lawns and doing like I'm, you and I talked about this a little bit. But, yeah, you know, just like did odd jobs to save and get like a total maybe $600 drum set. Yep. Um and then yeah, like I w I was in a like a, a shitty local band. I mean it, it was cool, it was really fun. It's called Oceans Will Part. And my my singer, he was just like, "Man, you should do some videos on YouTube to like try to get our band's name out there." And I was like, "Nah, I'm good. It sounds stupid." But it's like piqued my curiosity, so I went and I started looking up like drum covers of bands that I was listening to at the time. August Burns Red, Texas in July, like, you know, this is fucking 14 years ago now. Yeah. Whoa, that's fucked. Whoa, that's, that's so fucked. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, and then so I just saw like drummers doing drum covers. Yeah. And I was like, like not to be, a, I mean, I'm not trying to be rude or a jerk or anything, but 
the only reason I started doing YouTube videos was so I could prove to those couple drummers that I saw that I was better than them. Oh, That's shit. That is the only reason. That is the most prideful, stupid, you know, young teenage energy. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I'm very glad that I did it. I didn't care if it got 50 views. I didn't care. I was like, I just want to to be better, right? Yeah. Which is which is a ridiculous thing, but um, in hindsight, glad I did it. But yeah, and then uh, I think... Now, uh, quick question on that. Yeah. Were the drummers that you were trying to one-up, were those also drummers that were on YouTube doing videos, or were, was it drummers in bands? They were in bands. So, like, this was pretty much uncharted territory at this point. Okay. Like, nobody... I mean... I must have found 10 to 20 different drummers that were doing this, like, total. Yeah. And and they were all... I just remember reading the comments and be like, you're, you're better than the actual drummer. And I'm like, no, you're not. And I was like, let's film. I got to film Damn. immediately. So, um, but yeah, no, they were just in bands. And then that kind of, like, accidentally started a... a thing. I just got kept, it. kept rolling with it. So no know? one no one had really, like, been successful on YouTube yet almost in any category but the music category specifically is super new. Yeah, I think I think at that time there was a guy named Kobus that was doing it and I think he he might have been doing like like rock songs and stuff like that but um yeah, super uncharted territory, but that's sick. Because of that, uh I think like a week before I graduated high school, I got an email from this European duo like electronic pop duo called the Green Children. They they reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to come to LA for like a month and a half and do like a little residency out here. Sick. I'm I'm 17. I'm freaking out. Damn, so that's so sick. I quit my job at Yard House. <laughs> it was my last job I ever had. Hey. And uh yeah, I came to LA and did that and then they fired their drummer in Europe and I went out to Europe with them like Norway and the UK and stuff like that. And then when I turned 18, um the Word Alive uh reached out to me, a metalcore band. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where the band thing started. Yeah. So earlier, I want to touch on this while you talked about um, trying to one up people and being like, I know I'm better than you, so I'm going to play. In 2013, Alternative Press, was it 2013, Gavin? 2013. 2013, Alternative Press uh, named you as you, you placed third as drummer of the year. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember this. I do. And we looked it up, and the number one drummer was the drummer from Pierce the Veil. No, Mike, right? Mike Fuentes was number two. Mike Fuentes was number two. Number one was, uh, I bet you, do you remember who number I, one was? I want to say, uh, this happened a couple years. It might have been Black Veil Brides. It was, remember? Christian okay. Coma. Yeah. So my question is, are you better than those guys? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Listen, listen. listen. <laughs> it's not a competition, right? Like, like CeCe, uh, awesome dude. Everybody loves CeCe. Um, great guy. I don't know Mike at all. Uh I'll I'll say I'll say, fuck. That's hard to say. You can yeah. say yes. It's okay, dude. <sighs> I'll I'll let everybody else decide. There we go. We'll know. just say it for you. Yes. Put, it, put in the comments. We'll if just you say think. It. in the comments. Is Luke Holland better than those than those two drummers? Oh no. Uh, and by the way, and and hear me out, okay. And this is just I, I'm just gonna give you some compliments for a second here. We were pulling up after seeing that article. We were pulling up videos of drummers and of those drummers of those drummers. Yeah. And. You're beyond. You crushed them. You crushed them, <laughs> and and Thank and you. no disrespect. Like those are fucking probably great drummers and whatnot. But like as far as being entertaining to watch and the and that um, the jazz influence. The, the, yes, the, the jazz influence and the rhythm the riz, and the vibe. The riz, <laughs> bro. Your vibe is so different, 
And it's what I enjoy watching. It's what I enjoy listening to. It's smooth. It's different. And I, I don't know if you, I mean, I'm oddly also a Dave Matthews fan and his drummers. So Carter. yeah. Yeah. Carter's his, sick. His drummer is so sick and weird comparison, but your style reminds me a lot of him. That's a big compliment. He's, he's really sick. Hey boys, sorry to interrupt your podcast, but I have some exciting cruise news. The E&D Cruise Year 2 is completely sold out. However, we do have a cruise cabin for two that we will be giving away to one lucky YouTube subscriber. Just make sure you're subscribed to our channel, like our videos, and let's see you in the comments. We're gonna scroll through the comments and pick one of you guys to give a cruise to. That's all the news I have for today. Have a great show, guys. I mean, okay, like, a lot of the drummers in that metalcore scene, and I am not talking shit at all, there's a lot of really cool personalities, a lot of great performers. Um, I find that a lot of the guys kind of stick to one niche, right? Mm -hmm. They kind of stick, and they don't they don't really try to evolve and grow. And I've always sought growth, like since <clears throat> I was since I started playing. Damn. Like I didn't, I started playing to like Slipknot and Azalea Dying and stuff like that. But I was also playing to pop music, hip hop, electronic, and I've you know I've played for groups from like Playboy Cardi to Rufus Du Soul to. And like a lot of, I feel like a lot of the metalcore drummers can be good at, at the one thing, but you know the versatility is kind of hard to find. I feel. Yeah, because on your drum covers, like you said, you you cover so much. I one of the first covers that I saw, I believe it was four years ago, because I knew you before your covers too. But I saw you play to BTS. Yeah. Um, yeah. What song was that? Uh, maybe fake love. Fake love. Be. Yeah. But also, great song. Ariel and I love BTS. That's a great song. Unique song to cover, but fucking good. And you and you nailed that. Oh, and thank you, man. um, do you doing those kind of covers for bands like BTS that have like an influence all over the world? Are you gaining fans from all over because of covers like that? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny. My my ex girlfriend back then, she was obsessed with BTS before they like really blew up. And we weren't really talking or anything, but she sent me and just out of nowhere, she's like, you got to check out this band. They're like exploding right now. I was like, all right, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. And then I heard Fake Love. And I, I remember driving in Hollywood Hills, going down the, the mountain and just being like, this song is really, really good. Yeah. Like, this is a good song. There's no like, like obviously it was very trendy and huge. It, it almost it was like right before they exploded in the States. But it's just really actually good music. Mm -hmm. So... My whole thing when like creating a video, I, I can't I can't go online and like fake something. I can't be like, yeah, I'm gonna go through with like this giant production and and um, spend all the time memorizing, writing these parts, creating, tearing my drums down, setting it up, mixing, record like all the whole thing. If I don't like connect with the song, yeah, super important. So, um, but yeah, like I did that just at the right time. Actually, my my most viewed video on YouTube is a Blackpink cover. Oh no, uh, which is like the female equivalent, yeah. essentially. Um, but yeah, it's it's wild. I ended up like the BTS's manager um, invited uh, me and this this uh, awesome uh, kind of OG guitar player in the K-pop world, um, Sewon Kim. We flew out to. I, I met BTS's management. We stayed in like the same hotel as them, and it it was wild to see their their power kind of behind Damn. the scenes. Damn, you know, pretty sick. Pretty. And sick. then, are uh, where are they from again? Uh, they're from South Korea. They're South Korea. Yeah. Do you have? I notice that you do. I've seen you fly out. I'm not sure exactly which Asian countries, but where do you, where do you have your biggest audience? Because I do see you play some fairly large shows 
uh, outside of the states? Where is that? Yeah, I think um, there was there was a I think 2018 2019 in particular. I was doing solo tours out in Asia a lot. Yeah, and it was really cool. I'm you know people are like solo tour. What is that like for a drummer? I'm just going. I'm taking a laptop and I'm playing the tracks and I'm playing a lot of the like popular videos on my YouTube channel from like the Skrillex cinema stuff to the BTS Blackpink. Just kind of the Jason Richardson super technical metal stuff. Um, it was a really cool experience. We set a bunch of really weird world records. Uh, it was like the first American to do a Billboard Vietnam interview ever. Oh, like no all shit. this crazy shit. Um, it kind of like took off. But uh, I, I think my biggest show that I did just by myself, just me and my drums, was in China actually. Damn. Um, but if you, I don't know if you ever look at your analytics on YouTube and stuff, but my. I looked at my analytics, and I think like thirty five percent of my fan base is Indonesian. Dude, we were we just have talking a lot. about this. Yeah, we have a lot of Filipino, a lot of Malaysian fans. Yeah, which so I, I love Malaysia. By the way, shout and, out Malaysia. And you've been? I, I have many. Yeah. yeah, I love that spot. Really? Yeah. So we were literally discussing this the other day because I get in the comments when I'm on live streaming for E and D or in the comments on my E and D videos. We see a lot of people. Love from the Philippines. Love from we the love Philippines. Yeah, yeah. And it's crazy because I, I was telling Gavin, I wonder if I actually went out to the Philippines to do a show or anything. Like, what would the draw be? Because based on the comments, it seems like there could be a fairly decent draw oh, yeah, definitely. in the Philippines. And But I wonder what inf- like who brought that music and that culture over to them because they are emo music fans. Yeah. They're, they're, they're emo, pop, pop punk. They like the scene music. And I just, do you have any clue why or where that came from? I don't, to be honest with you. I just know that it is very prevalent. Like, yeah. Like, I remember, um, you know, and actually you, you could ask Telly about this later tonight, but uh, I remember when we first landed in Manila, uh, you know, we get off the plane and there's like, like this dude in this super sick suit right outside the plane uh, with like bodyguards and stuff like to escort us through the airport. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. We played this festival, and, like, they they escorted us to the airport, and the entire everyone, it's like we were, like, Bieber or something, you know? And, like, people were, like, uh, employees sprinting next to us, like, trying to take selfies, and they're all, like, and I was, like, what is going on here? Damn. It, it was, it was just, wait, like... Wait, who were you with? Was it when you were just drumming? This was with Word Alive. Oh, so with this Word was Alive. Like, this was, like, eight years ago. Damn. You know? Bringing it back to, to YouTube, I, w- I, b- I want to make sure we cover this because I was kind of surprised at how much production goes into your videos. And it sounds like you're responsible for a lot. Um, would you mind breaking down like what your process is? Yeah, definitely. I think um, especially in my early days, uh, you know, I was just talking about this with my, my roommate Elmo on a podcast. But uh, I'm super thankful to have so many people that worked for me that were like, they wanted to achieve something also like that we were never this was never for money it was never like oh we gotta because first of all monetizing things didn't even exist back then you know it was like let's create an empire together and nobody was it was just really cool it was very passion driven um but i i really feel like a huge reason why my channel um exploded back in the day was because we were doing productions that were uh nobody was doing it yet like mm-hmm. you know like we we're doing drone shots and things like that when like nobody was doing it. it was very cinematic uh and you know if you look at any of the other drummers back then it's just like a tripod on a yeah. thing you know but so i had these like super talented guys um i feel like the longest running chunk during that time was a guy named cameron mizell uh who 
you know, wrote and recorded like Memphis Mayfire, Sleeping with Sirens, Woe Is Me. He did one of the Word Alive albums, but him and I, we lived 10 minutes from each other, so ended up becoming really good friends. So he did the audio for my, my videos. So we kind of just like, honestly, like shitting on a lot of the audio quality that was out at the time. And then my boy Jeremy Tramp did the video. Um, just absolutely talented, super, just great eye for everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's pretty straightforward. If if I'm if I'm playing a song where I know it's note for note, I'm gonna play the exact same thing every take, which is sometimes difficult to do. Then you know we can get creative with it because I know if I'm gonna play the same fill here, we can be like, all right, cut and then film it from a different angle. You know, damn. Yep. But most of the time we have mul multiple cameras set up or you know have like one of the guys on a gimbal or something and just. I mean, yeah. dude, your content is so elevated for drum covers. And like you said, you, you have your drone shots, you have your beautiful, like, cinematic shots. Um, and we just watched your thrill, your thriller video. Oh, and, yeah. like, fuck yeah, dude. The production value there of you walking out and, like, being the fucking character. And, like, it's just sick. And, like, I've, I've been in the influencer world for a long time where content is king. And, like, you are just the king of that content, which is why, like, I... It's a no-brainer why you have over six hundred and fifty thousand subs or, what, or something. And the, so well, and the, you, yeah, dude, the variety is sick too. I mean, I remember seeing the cinema cover back when I was in college, yep. and uh, I was going to U of O at the time. And I remember, yeah, I, you know, EDM just sucked all the air out of the room when it came to metalcore and post-hardcore. Yep. All my friends went to dubstep, and I was just like, "There's nothing left for me," you know. <laughs> and and then you know, I stumble on your your drum video of, of cinema and i'm like okay like it 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 gave me vision on where it could go and that it didn't have to be like uh a, a side like it didn't have to be self-contained right? right like right. A, a metalcore drummer or someone who you know grew up listening to august burns red and playing that shit can bring a flavor to cinema yeah um which i thought was really really sick so that variety i think was like also really dope where you were open to you know, yeah, bridging like, the gap. Yeah, like the new stuff that's coming in with music. It's like, all right, like let's the the most dangerous thing you can do as a creator or anybody in like social media if that's your thing is uh I don't know, just give up or like succumb. Just be like, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not gonna like adapt with the times. Like yeah. we all we all know when, when TikTok came out, we're all like, how old are you? Thirty eight. Thirty eight. So like I yeah. hate TikTok. Yeah, I'm just like, oh god. Like another platform. Bro, that Here was me, go. bro. That was yeah. me. I'm but still, I'm still on that. It. I'm still on that. I'm like, fuck TikTok, dude. I know. Yeah, you but, just, you just but gotta dude, do it. Do you? Are you? Are you getting some decent traction on TikTok right now? Are you uploading old videos? Yeah, I started doing that. Um, what's hard about that is everything was shot wide. You know, for yep. for, for uh, YouTube was yep. was the way. So all my old stuff, it's like, okay, well, if you zoom in and for crop it for TikTok, it looks like it looks like trash. Looks like trash. And yeah. it ruins bro. the art form. We we bro. we struggle with that all the time. We're like, yeah. can, can we put yep. this video out vertical? And most of the time, we go, no, nope, no, we can't. <laughs> but dude, you know what's you know what's weird? And I got really lucky with this when TikTok came out. It was Musically at first. I don't know if you know that. That's it was right. called yeah, it was like Musically. Music. Musically. Yeah, Musically. Ly. And then it turned into TikTok. And I remember my manager, my social media manager was like, you got to get on TikTok. You got to start doing TikToks. And I'm like, dude, I've done fucking Vine for five years. I've done fucking this for seven, for, for four years. I was like, I, I was like I'm, I'm over it. I, I can't do another platform. It's exhausting. And then he's like, just, just start uploading your old shit. And I literally started just uploading all my old shit and got to like, I'm at like 1.6 million on TikTok from old content. Yeah. Like you don't get luckier than that. Yeah, it's and, awesome. And finding new fans from it. 
So I do. I don't know how much you're posting, but dude, take all your fucking videos, and even if it looks like shit on TikTok, just fucking upload them. Yeah, you we know, just do it because we, we did it with the emos not dead series or the felt emo my delete series, and oh yeah, it's crushing. It's on crushing on D and D. 160k followers in less than two months. Oh, that's great. And so it's. It, I mean, that's like perfect. Like what you know, all that stuff is like perfect for TikTok. It's like quick. It's engaging. It's funny. And like people are like, oh, I, you know, I know I'm gonna see something like this again the next time they upload. That's perfect. Like, yeah, yeah it's gold. Yeah, yeah. the se- the series is, is definitely working there, which yeah. is great. Um, so I want to ask. So when Gavin mentioned earlier about there that time when EDM uh, sucked out the sucked out, what'd you say? I, just I sucked the that. air. It sucked the it air sucked out of the, the music room. Of the music room. Yeah. And we there was a solid decade of just alt music was just to the fucking trash, and, and people weren't coming out with with good songs there wasn't much like a, a bunch of bands broke up bands weren't torn anymore and when during that decade you were obviously still doing your drum your drum covers but you're alt inspired so like what bands in the scene influenced you and when did you did you find there being a void where you're like fuck like what am i going to do now i want to tour with these bands but not many bands are touring right now did did, did that affect you at all that decade that it was all EDM and the scene music was just kind of like gone. I think, man, I got, I got kind of lucky. Well, I say lucky, but, um, I was, I was, uh, 2016, the end of 2016 is when I quit the word alive. So I, I felt that I had, you know, uh, achieved my ceiling there and I stayed there for a while. And it, mm-hmm. it is me being super honest. And it felt very like just plateauing, and I was getting all these offers. Like even 2013, my fr- my second year, because I joined 2012, I had Paramore reaching out to me to join. I had Damn. Uh, ASAP Ferg. I he invited me to one of his shows, and like uh, I had all these different artists that were reaching out to me to play for them, and I I felt pretty trapped. In no pun intended, because Ben has a song called Trapped that I do drums <laughs> on. I think that's how it goes. Um, <laughs> I think that's how it goes. <laughs> I, I, I felt really trapped, yeah. so I, I just took a, a huge leap of faith and quit. And that's kind of when I started playing for all the different artists. Mm. And that's always what I wanted to do. I tell everybody, I'm like, I want to be on everybody's album ever. Sick. Everyone's album, I don't give a shit. I'll do it. Bro. I, I just recorded for, well, I actually can't say, but like even this year, um, you know, I've released... I did half of Polyphia's new album. Oh, that's sick. I did uh, Icy Stars has an album coming out, um, but just released two singles. And I did their last album called Treehouse. Me and Jason Richardson did an album. Um, just trying to think, like, different genres and stuff. That's always what I wanted to do. And, like, Shania Twain hit me up to play for her. R- and Stop it right now. Dude, it was, it was wild. Dude. It was wild. I wait, got, wait, when did she hit you up? Uh, this was 2015. I didn't get it, unfortunately, but it's a really really cool story long story short i was at dinner uh and i just got a phone call and i was like nah, i'm not gonna answer it and the person i was with is like i just answered i'm like all right and it was like hey this is this is will uh I, I play keys for the eagles and i'm i'm here with shania twain and we just watched some of your videos and wanted to know if you wanted to audition for her last tour ever i was like it's a fucking prank call right now like what is happening you what? know um, They're watching your Texas in July videos, dude. Uh, <laughs> what was what was the video they saw? Um, or no, Paramore saw. I did a Mars Volta cover. That's why they reached out to me. Uh, I can't remember the one Shania saw, but I was like, if if this is real, absolutely. Yeah. I ended up getting the the final four. I was on tour with Word Alive, 
and we played in Vegas, and I woke up to fly out here to do the audition, and I woke up super sick. Like, my oh, glands were all shit. swollen. I just, like, tried to be like, oh, it's, you know, it's great to meet you guys, but mm. I was fucking dying, dude. Damn. But, it, you know. Do you feel like you, did you feel like you just kind of bombed because you felt sick? Or do you feel like you did okay? If, if I'm being honest, you could hear everybody's audition sitting outside because there was uh, four drummers, I believe, that they were, yeah, four drummers they were auditioning, and then there was also, uh, they were auditioning bass players too. So they were doing rhythm sections. So I'd go in, I'd play with one bass player that they are auditioning, they would leave him, or they'd have him go out, They'd bring in another bass player, and so I'd play two sets mm. with the full band. And you know, Will from Eagles is sitting in front of us. They have the camera filming for Shania, uh, and I think that I did great considering. Mm -hmm. And then when I leave, I I hear I think I want to say it was Carrie Underwood's drummer goes in after me. I was like, fuck, he was so perfect. It was just that's it, his it fit, realm. It fit. You know? it's, like, it's his world. Country, yeah. like he nailed it. Yeah, and neither of us ended up getting it. Wow. If you could drum for any per, any musician in the world, any genre, any type, any person, pa let's do past and present. Who would it be? Man, for for a hot minute there, it, I would have loved to play for Ellie Goulding back when she was like okay. in her creative mode, and then she just exploded, and then you know she got popified. Yeah, and she kind of stopped making good music. But um, I've always been just a huge 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 fan of drake in the weekend since like 2010 2011 take yeah. care eras when i first started listening to drake and then like i want to say the third part of trilogy uh i don't remember but yeah. huge fans of both of them um shout out ricky lewis who plays for the weekend now uh so let, let me i gotta ask a question on this because I guess when I'm at a Drake co at a Drake concert, I'm not paying attention to the backline, right? The drums and like you're you're watching Drake and he's forefront. So what would it be? Obviously, it'd be exciting to drum for Drake because it's Drake and you're playing arenas. But like, is it fairly? Is it exciting as a drummer for you to? I mean, how do how do you drum to Drake? Does that make sense? So it makes total. This, this sense. is for dummies here because I'm not a drummer, but like. Like, how would you drum for Drake to where it's exciting? Because yeah. he's a hip hop artist. Yeah. Well, I'm. I want to venture off to say I don't think he even has a live band, maybe ever. Got it. I could be wrong. There's certain artists like Bieber. You know, he has Devin Taylor, Sticks. He has like the full band that plays with him. Yeah. But you know, with artists like Drake, Drake is coming out by himself, and that's all he needs. You know. Yeah. I I don't know if he's ever had a live band, but. I think for me, it would just be like playing the songs that I love so much. That would be, would that be, would be fire. Would be just so amazing. Yeah. Um, even if I'm playing whatever like, like it is. Like a trap beat or yeah, something. Which would be yeah, which all, all it would be. I would be so stoked. That I, would be sick. I remember yeah. I remember seeing Kid Cudi in 2011. It was the first time I ever saw, because I'm a hip-hop nerd too, um, but it was the first time I ever saw hip-hop with a live band, yeah. and it blew me away. It's sick, dude. The the MDs, which stands for music director, they the shows they create, mm -hmm. just the chord progressions they do, like everything is just so sick. They yeah. really elevate those songs. Because the songs typically, musically, production-wise, aren't very intricate. You know? yeah. It's very simple. And yeah. It's all about the vocalist, but the bands take it to such a sick level where you know the, the drummer's fucking going off like keys are shredding yeah but it just yeah and fits. i and i remember i remember when like trap music and trap beats really first started getting popularized i was like oh shit this is the hi-hat is the double bass 
Yeah, and I yeah. remember just like having a moment where I made a connection to like metal drumming and what this what trap was doing. And I was like, this is the same thing. And then all my all my white friends started doing like hip hop production coming from a metal background. I was yep. like, oh, I wonder how much influence this actually has in the hip hop world coming it's, from metal. It's very it's there's a lot of similarities for sure. Um it's wild. I mean, I love like there uh, there's a I think the last like trap song I did a thing to. One that's it's not trap, it's drill, but I did a song for a pop smoke song. Was that a conscious strategy in your YouTube to get outside of the metalcore scene to kind of bring in popular popular songs and other genres or was that just something naturally that occurred? It, it happened naturally. Um I'm so glad because there's, you know, I could take this conversation forever, but I really think it was just again like the passion for the songs like it's like i think the first video i ever did to hit a million views was um that like a g6 song mm -hmm. remember that song yep uh oh, that was so it was so dude, fucking college dude i love <laughs> i love that song and when i hear that song now I'm, i you know i i it like triggers all sorts of shit for me i'm like uh, wait uh, wait why yeah, I, I, I look back at that video and i'm just like oh my god i was I was I was on some creative shit for sure, but like playing wise, I'm like, oh, I just wasn't focusing as much on the playing as the creativeness. But yeah, I was like, just doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then when it kind of all settled in, it really is like a maturity thing. Like you hit like 21, 22 years old rather than 17, 16. You're like, oh, you start calculating things, you know. And I think that's I was able to get. Not just metal. I don't want just metal fans. I want mm -hmm. I want everybody to be a fan of what I do because I love what I do so much. Bro, I, I genuinely think you're one of the only drummers with that mindset, which is so sick. Like you're and and Gavin has given you the best compliment ever, and he's like he's like dude. He goes he's on his way to just being the best drummer in the world. Can I actually? Can I actually? You're the second coming of Travis Barker from like a cool. Drummer, from a celebrity, from a celebrity, cool, yes, the celebrity standpoint. standpoint, I'm like, yeah, you're. Shit. Yeah, that's my opinion. I appreciate I'll stand that, on man. that one. I have a lot of respect for Travis, man. Like his, I was just talking to somebody about this like two days ago. If you if you listen to Enema of the State, which I I believe is his first recorded album with that band, yes, it is. You're like, bro. The, the parts he was writing are fucking insane. Okay, can we okay, can we open this up? Can we open yeah. this no, up? No, open it up. Because okay. we were just we were just arguing, uh, Gordon, our producer, and, and I were just arguing with Gavin about this. So let's yes. talk about it. All right, cool. Because I we were we were getting heated. I mean, we went we were going all the way back to Ringo, okay, and okay. and we were talking about who is the most replaceable uh, band member in a band. And there's an opinion that drummers are, and I'm a bassist, and I'm like bassists are the most fucking replaceable. Uh, member of the band and then we started talking about Travis and I'm like dude you can't replace Travis nope. on Enema of the State because of what he's writing because of his fills because of his drum writing is is why he is where he is no way yes. bro his hey parts, I stand corrected Gavin uh, his parts like listen like if it's if it's from a technical standpoint there's obviously a there's a bunch of drummers that are better than Travis Barker but it's his it's his goddamn it's the energy it's his parts if you play a simple ass riff, uh, you know, like like Tom and Mark aren't insane at their instruments. Let's just be honest. They're, They're not, not. No. But Travis brought the insanity. He he brought the ideas of hmm. there's no way anybody else is writing those parts on those simple riffs. That's and it's so cool. So That's cool. it's such a perfect blend. So maybe um, you could be a tiebreaker. Are drummers the most replaceable member in a band? Hundred percent no. Okay, thank you. Bassist. 
I would say I would say bassist. By the way, though, our consensus, to be fair, our consensus was it depends on the drummer because Travis Barker, irreplaceable. And I think I don't know the drummer well, but you I think you were complimenting the August August Red, the the guy. Like, yeah, like there are drummers out there that just bring so much that you're like, yo, that's an irreplaceable drummer. They bring the vibe. Um, And Travis Barker undeniably is one of them. Bugs me when people shit on Travis, dude. It bugs me when people shit on him. How? As saying that he's just, not the, not a great drummer, dude. If you, it sounds like hate. It there's like literally hate. been like, I'm pr- I'm probably not even exaggerating. Probably thousands of comments on my videos over the years, saying like, oh, like negative people being like, oh, here we got the next Travis Barker. Like, I'm like, bro, that's a that's a compliment. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? Like, I don't know. It just bugs me when people people see dudes doing like blast beats, which is just like really fast, and they're like, oh. Like he's better than Travis, and it's just like they don't understand the the creation. Mm-hmm. That's that's to me where like it's it's a extension of your soul. I get up. that. I get that. It's yeah. it's a creation. It's a vibe. It's an energy. It's what you bring. And like I, I respect that. It's a feel. Lot. I mean, so much of drumming is feel, and yeah. you can't. Yep. It's one of those things that you you can't you can learn it, but like if you have it naturally, you just have an advantage. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like you you know have that like just here. You know, sometimes you'll just do a little hesitation on your hi hat, or you'll you know a little dotted note here or there, or yeah. some flam, and I'm like, holy shit! Like, if there's any, yeah, if there's any drummers watching, uh, something I've learned over the years since my my OG YouTube days is how valuable space is mm-hmm. in, in phrasing. Yeah, space is everything, bro. Mm-hmm. You can f- you can feel you see it, and it, it changes the feeling. Also, yes. it fucking looks cool, and it gives you the opportunity to put a little riz in your stick. You know <laughs> I love I mean? nothing more <laughs> than the f- than jamming out and vibing so hard you flip the sticks and oh, it's so good. Today's episode is brought to you by Emo's Not Dead Coffee. Have you heard of them? Emo's Not Dead Coffee is micro roasted, fair trade, and organic. Myself and Gavin, who picked out the coffee ourselves, tried. So many different flavors, so many different beans, and these one won because they taste amazing. I'm a coffee snob, and you guys, I'm telling you, you got to try it. Also, if you subscribe to our E&D Coffee, you get 10% off on every single order. Emo is not dead coffee. I should have a tagline here, but I don't. I want to jump to you playing in Fallen in Reverse, and that's... um, How did that come about? Did Ronnie reach out? Did you have a relationship first? Uh, was it a management thing? And when did you start playing drums in Fallen in Reverse? Yeah, so let's see. I think it was right when I moved to LA, 2018. He reached out to me. Actually, I could be wrong on that time. Um, doesn't matter. He reached out to me to do a song. It's it's called Losing My Mind or Losing My Life, one of those songs. And I, I did drums on it. Um, he brought his whole posse. We never met in person before. He brought like his posse to the studio. Uh, and I one-taked it from the beginning to the end, just like... No warm-up? No warm-up, just nailed it, nice. like, as soon... And he was, like, like really, really excited, and was like, Sick. this is insane. You're, you're fucking crazy, bro, this is wild. And I was like, thank you, you know. Um, before that, he had reached out to me multiple times, uh, but I was just busy. Like, um, when I was doing... When I was diving into playing with, like, the Clearway Cardi stuff, and then I was supposed to do a, a tour with Lil Uzi Vert, um which was sick because I was going to play one song with Playboy Cardi. He was direct support, and 21 Savage was opening, oh, which is wild to think about. Um, but I was going to play a track with Cardi, and then it was like 17-song Uzi set. Halfway in between, they wanted me to write a drum solo for Uzi's wardrobe change. And uh, 
it was sick. I, I ended up canceling a tour with Jason Richardson, and I said no to Ronnie. I was like, sorry, you know, I've got this thing. Um, and then Uzi cancels the tour, like, Oof. a few days before oh, it. And I was man. so bummed. Is he is Uzi doing arenas? I have no idea, to be honest with you. Um, he does big shows. Yeah, I, just don't know. I don't know if he's an arena act right now. Yeah. So, I don't know if you saw this, but recently Paramore brought Lil Uzi Vert I did see out. that. And it was and very confusing. It was very, very awkward. Very awkward, really confusing. I was reading the comments and, like, little, no hate on Lil Uzi Vert. I, I don't put him on. I don't listen. I don't know much about him. But definitely a weird play for Paramore and their for Paramore fans to be watching Haley and then her be like, now I'll bring out Lil Uzi Vert to sing my most famous song. That <laughs> yeah. was that was just weird. Yeah, Do you guys bizarre. agree? It's bizarre for sure. I think Uzi, he has uh, such a wide reach. Um, he has like the goofy fans. Because like, he's a goofy dude. Yeah. He really is. Like mm-hmm. it's it's funny because he's like shredded and like he'll jump off of twenty-five foot things into the crowd. Like he's out of his mind. Yeah. But he's also like super shy and goofy and like um he kind of crossed. He was in that when him and Juice World and like those guys were doing. Juice was a little bit after Uzi for sure. Uzi was like the SoundCloud rapper era. Uzi was before Juice World. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was. I got a lot of respect for for what Uzi did in the in the trap scene. Yeah, bro, like, a whole new sound. Whole new sound like that. It's like that's it's why a he's got so much sound. respect. See, I don't. I'm not educated on him. I don't know much about him, but I know that he's popular and I've heard some of his songs. But like. So he's like an originator of he's super emo style. inspired too. Yeah, like yeah, very, yeah. Very, like, very like you seen that video Juice World? Like he says Ronnie Radke is like my favorite singer. You know, before, Juice World says that before he died, obviously. Yeah. But um, like that whole world was there's definitely inspirations in our world, mm-hmm. and it it just it all kind of cross contaminates. It's really cool. Yeah, super cool. It, that, that moment was really weird though. That it was it was, yeah, it was yeah. weird it, and it was odd and I, his mic I just, wasn't on. It didn't seem like like he wasn't no, actually no, singing. No, it, it was. It was. He was just you, far away. He was far it. away, and I think he was nervous because yeah. it wasn't his style. And like, well, he probably loves Paramore. Oh, I mean, of course, you know. So dude. I'm sure it was more of a moment for him. So props to Haley if that's the case. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it it did seem interesting Dude. it seemed like a it seemed like a marketing play if i'm being honest yeah i th- I, th- oh, I think her team oh, yeah. was like uzi vert wants to come out bring him out you'll get his eye his fans eyeballs up yeah. for sure seemed yeah. kind of weird um did you were you at when we were young last I last was, year i was not so you you miss a couple interesting moments because we're talking about paramore and one was you had so taking back sunday went on stage and they are known for hating to be called emo. They don't like being called emo. Oh, He's really, really against it. Um, doesn't really embrace it like most bands don't care to be a part of that genre. Like, it's all love, right? It's not like making fun of. It's just, it's all love. And so he comes on stage at When We Were Young, which is a emo music festival. That's, what people, that's what people would call it. Yeah. And he starts talking about, you know, when they asked us to play this festival, I said, there's not going to be the word emo anywhere, right? And he starts going on this like rant on stage about essentially shitting on emo the crowd went completely silent because we're all emos <laughs> and everyone's just watching take it back sunday one of our favorite bands just kind of shitting on it and we're like man that's kind of sucks that he hates the word emo so much because we all embrace it and yeah. we all like it and it's part of our culture and we all grew up in it and we like emo music whatever so but then you jump to Haley williams who was another headliner that night was it the same night it was the same night and she is out there and embracing it and well, and she, she sets it up like she's going to start talking shit about bro, it. Bro, 
I thought oh, she was gonna ream it, and I was like, I was Again? like, what? she's like the queen. I was like, please don't, please yeah. don't shit on the word emo because we, the fans, we all like it. Whatever. Our livelihood depends on it, <laughs> dude. But she, yeah, yeah, our livelihood depends on it. Our brand name is Emo's Not Dead. No, but she was, she like was like, we're all emo, and like I remember when I like she was Embraceful. speaking very positive about it. And I almost feel like she did that because what Adam Lazara said. Oh, that's kind of funny. Huge possibility for I, sure. I think when Adam was shitting on the word emo, she was like, no, I'm going to raise up the word emo because we're all a family and why we love this. And so I guess my question to you, and I do want to ask some, some more of our guests, is like, does that word – is that word weird to you? Not do, at do, all. You think no. any, do you think anything negative when you hear the word or like? I don't. To me, it re- you know, it reminds me of being like 13, 14. I had, I had long seen here. Yeah. Actually, if you go and look at my first ever YouTube video, it's a song called Meddler by August Burns Red. You can see it. I'm like, yeah. it's super, yeah, it's long seen here. But um, no, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's funny. It, it you know, I think if there's any like negative uh, stigma on it, it kind of goes back to that time when that kind of music wasn't cool, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's like, it's kind of cool again. That's true. Um, That's true. Yeah, so I remember it being really negative when yeah. I was in when I was in it back in that time frame where you hear the word emo. It's like, no, fuck you, dude. I listen to metal. Like, I don't, I'm not an emo, you know, but right, like you have right. the scene here and, you know, you, you pick up your sword for those battles, but as we've gotten older, the genres have just kind of melted together and yeah, now there's this... A nice it, umbrella. It's strange. I think people were. I think it really comes down to you know, everybody like the. I wasn't like super super emo. Like the, you know, people wearing eyeliner and like doing all that stuff. I think a lot of like dudes that are like you know they they were probably like, oh, you fucking emo like blah blah yeah. blah. You know like that, that's probably where that came from. Yeah, it was like a way to try to put people down. But yeah, now everybody grew up and they're like, "Oh, it literally doesn't matter. It's it just doesn't a matter, genre bro. of music, or it's We're, like a feeling. Like, for real, who cares? It's an aesthetic, dude. You know? It's an aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a scene. It's like the it's like the scene because we argue this all the time. Three hundred three is not an emo band, but e- emo people love them. Yeah, they play. You know, like, and so I, yeah, I always like getting people's takes on that because I always find it so weird when people shit on that word. And like you said, you nailed it perfectly, is that was the younger days when it was a little bit weird and people had to almost be like a closet fan of that music. And now it's just cool and everybody loves it and we're all grown up. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. I like Taking Back Sunday. I like Fall Out Boy. Like, I I don't care. You know, it's It's super interesting. It's really it's really dope, too, to see like when we were young, massive crowd. I mean, at 80,000 or 100,000 people in attendance. That's awesome. Super sick, and it's cool to see. Like now, we're back in arenas with metalcore bands and and emo bands and yeah, new it, and old. It made its it made its resurgence for yeah. sure. And you're playing Madison Square Garden. Soon. Holy shit! Yes, yes. Is That's, that it, will that be your biggest show you've ever played? No, no way. No, because damn, I, I played for uh, a lot of people. You know, in the emo scene, might not know this band, but they're called Rufus Du Soul. They're like yeah. the I, I call them like the house like like electronic house gods. Oh, they're, they're kings. They're kings, huge, dude. Like absolutely massive group. Um, I filled in for them for four months. Their drummer got injured. Uh, my buddy Matt McGuire, who plays for the Chainsmokers, reached out to me and was just like, "Yo, like, you know, here, do it." And I was like, "All right." And I had no idea who they were. And uh, yeah, I flew out to Australia, did like three weeks with them, and I I'll never forget. Like we did. The, the Sydney City Hall, I want to say, we rented out for rehearsal because they have a 
gigantic, insane light show. Like, yeah, way beyond anything that anybody in our scene does because mm-hmm. it's it's absurdly sick. Um, and I they couldn't use it yet because you know you can't do it in the city hall. So I go up on stage. I, I think it was like thirty six or forty thousand people for the first show. Sheesh. And I just like I was like, oh, this band is <laughs> fucking huge, dude. <laughs> and I I walk up and each you know it's a three piece. So there's like drummer singer uh and then uh john over on the right side everybody has this giant plexiglass riser each oh so you're just on that riser and i just walk up the riser and the light show hits and i'm like yo whoa this is like the biggest band ever this is so crazy damn so i did that first initial tour i was just supposed to do that and then their management called me again and i did like three more months with them bro Um, and then COVID hit we were in austin texas we flew home that is so sick did did that big of a show make you more nervous than a smaller show? Or no. So or this is actually a fun conversation. Yeah. Because I feel like every musician that I know that that has toured for a very, very long time, almost everyone has the same opinion that I do, where super small shows, like when you can see people's eyes yep. while you're playing, they're they're right there. They they can see the sweat on your face, they can see the stupid drummer faces that drummers make, you know. It's way more intimate than 40, 50,000 people that I play with Rufus where it's it's just an ocean. It's a, it's a sea of people. It's just an ocean. You don't see eyeballs. And you, you're, you don't, you don't, you're yeah. just vibing. Like, it's yeah. just like us vibing together. You know? I, I'm going to have to agree with you. So the Slam Dunk Music Festival was um, the biggest fest- the biggest festival that I've ever played in my old band. It was my I was least nervous when we went out there because the barricade was so far back and it was it was a few thousand people that were out there and so it looked like a big group of people. It was my least nervous show. My most nervous show was when you'd show up and play at a shitty bar and there were ten people there to watch and I was like, Oh Yeah. You can hear them I heckle you. perform in yeah. front of ten people and this person's sipping their drink and don't give a fuck and they're looking this way. So like I'm with you hundred percent. It's but I've never, I've obviously never played an arena, so I'm like, damn, was that next level to where you got nervous for, about that? But I guess it's the same thing. Probably I the think, bigger the show, the less. I think the bigger the show, the more uh, you're just like, y'all was fucking made to do this. Let's go. You know, yeah. I feel like that's that's kind of the energy that I personally have. Um, and then some of the ones, you know, I remember Word Alive. Sometimes we'd have like a one-off show in, in between, and we play for like 150 people at a church somewhere or something like way, 2012, 2013. And that was, you know, yeah. much more. Or me and Jason Richardson have had really small shows before, and we're we're playing like extremely technical, uh, very physically strenuous music. So we're we're going ten out of ten energy wise, and there's a hundred people there. for a really relaxed crowd. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's 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 interesting. And there are some, and I don't know exactly where this is, but I do see like Chainsmokers recently posted this. They went and played for. Um, somewhere in Asia, and I and I don't know exactly where this was, but the crowd there is so respectful. Oh yeah, that when they're before they go on stage and when they're setting up, it's just completely quiet. Yep. Have you played one of those shows? Oh yeah. yeah where yeah. is that? Uh, pretty much like especially in Japan, they do that. Um, but I'd say most Southeast Asian countries are like that. Got it. I feel like the Philippines, from my experience, was not like that. Um, I'm trying to think of anywhere else that was like they're just amped and that. Well, there was one show I, I played Word Alive in Japan. It was us, Devil's Prada, and uh, maybe Parkway Drive. I can't remember, but the, Sick the lineup. crowd. Sick lineup. Oh, yeah. Bro, crowd ripped the barricades out of the middle of the um, floor. It was like yeah. three or 4,000 people, whatever. But 
they crowd surfed the barricade out and they just went <laughs> ape shit. It was so sick. But that's that's dope. Yeah. I mean that that's real shit right there. Yeah. yeah. That is I'm surprised they didn't stop the show. Oh, dude, it's like no, the show is is gonna be even crazier. It made the it show must go. Yeah. <laughs> it must go on. Okay, I, I have a question because I like to hear about inspirations yeah. and, and what 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 you grew up on, what got you you know into music, and and what bands really inspired you to play drums. Um, and the the second part to that question is, is it is it always the drums that you focus on when you listen to music, or that inspire you? So I'll answer that question first. I think. Um, one thing that that makes my approach to drumming maybe more unique is that I hear everything melodically. So like I write to for with Icy Stars, for example, um, I write. So I actually recorded this album two separate times. I did it once in New Jersey, once uh, out here in California, and I had months in between. And the second time I recorded it, we had all the vocals done. So I was writing now to vocal melodies and patterns that you know I'm, I'm accentuating with Devin the singer and I think that is like you know my favorite drummers do the same thing uh you're not just playing drums with the music exclusively like you're you're playing you're doing vocal wordplay and stuff um so I actually hear very very melodically so when I hear music I'm listening to typically almost anything but the the drums, drums yeah like the drums of course are, it's there and it's automatically i'm like oh yep um but yeah and then and then uh your first question like regarding inspirations and influences i think you know i always kind of go to like for the first band that i was playing to um slipknot as a dying system of a down under oath Sick. right and yeah 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 and then from there i started you know, I, I started listening to like August Burns Red, Texas in July when I was like 14. So then I'm like, all right, I'm going to learn what you've spent 10, 15 years honing your craft. I'm going to learn all your songs. Thanks yep. for your technique. I'm going to learn your songs. I'm going to learn your song. You just become this melting pot of like your favorite drummers and stuff. Um, that's sick. Yeah. Then, I, th I think that's what makes a great drummer is all is all that influence tied in one. And, you, you know, and you, those four bands, I mean, all of them like Slipknot. I mean, they their drum, their percussion is crazy. Oh yeah, um, absolutely insane. I mean, System of Down is like, I mean, the the best new rock, new metal band. I mean, that Toxicity album's so good. The so drumming's good. so good. So good. Under Oath, Aaron's a fucking legend. His his snare drum kick variations are insane. Like those are four very different, but all, like yes, incredible. His feel, Aaron's feel. That's that's what I love about his. And again, it's his writing. Yep. Duke can perform like he he just opened we had like a one-off show with Fall Universe and um, Ronnie asked the almost to come play with us and just open the show oh that's cool. and it was really cool like he would he had a kick drum and he's playing acoustic and singing all at the oh, same time and great. just like so talented he's a, a talent great musician Ronnie asked to have the almost yeah open. yeah that's cool Ronnie uh, has it I think he publicly says this too. Aaron is his favorite drummer of all time Oh wow! And, and Aaron is one of my favorite drummers of all time too. He's just one. First of all, he's the hardest hitting drummer I've ever seen. And he, second hit, of he all, hits hard. He bro, hits hard. Nobody hits harder. Yeah. Than, than him, it's fucked. I I own a software company called Mixwave, and my you know I have three other owners. My job in the company is to bring on the world's best talent and mm -hmm. get them to work with our company. I've had. Jay Weinberg from Slipknot come in. I've had like Mario from Gojira, Tony Rister Jr., Thomas Pridgen, like amazing artists. But I, 
think this will be out by the time this product this comes out, out in july oh okay yeah yeah so uh yeah aaron aaron came in from under oath and we have like the whole drum software library sick with him but it was it was cool seeing the commercials and playing like in regards to yeah. myself and like older songs and oh so you put using... out you put out packs of drum sounds from drummers yeah so it's like that's so sick it's wild but it's not that's even so like sick. a it's not even a pack it's like a full-blown plug-in software it's its own unique yeah it's incredible that's uh, cool anybody at produces or anything yeah what's the website mixwave mixwave.net sweet i was gonna say yeah speaking to that like what um what do you want to promote dude like any, any like you're gonna be on tour with fallen in reverse and when do you guys head out how long you're gonna be gone for is it a u.s tour are you guys gonna leave outside the u.s i think this year we have all u.s dates i want to say yes so we're doing uh we're doing the forum well so this will already be out by then Yep. And so Madison Square Garden will have already played that. But we're heading out on the um, – we have a headliner with Iceland Kills. Uh, and then the other bands are, like, swapping in and out. So, like, Under Oath's playing some of it, Crown the Empire, um, Slaughter to Prevail. Uh, I can't think of the other band names right yeah. now. But going to be sick. Hell, and yeah. I'm doing drum lessons on that tour as well. So I'll do uh, up to ten people at a time. Sick. It's an hour long. It's like a meet and greet. Also, it's kind of it's really relaxed and not to toot my own horn, but I'm a I'm a really good teacher as well. So I like I like watching people grow, and yeah. I love like meeting my fans like face to face and and yeah, um, just seeing who they are. Really where, where are you gonna teach them on tour? Uh, in a bus or like? So uh, you know we're we're fortunate enough to do like you know the arena shows and stuff. So the actual venues themselves are huge, right? So there's oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. so many empty rooms and stuff. So my drum tech, shout out Matt Horn. What's um, up, Matt Horn? Matt Horn. We love you, buddy. We love you. Uh, he'll go and find, like, an empty room. He'll set up, like, I have, like, a little practice kit. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, and just goes grabs the cool. students, and it's it's a great time. Have you, have you ever considered a master class on drumming? I have done certain things. Uh, it's mostly been, like, not, like, a full-blown thing. Mm. Um, there's a guy named Matt Garska, plays for Animals as Leaders, one of my favorite drummers. He actually just put out something like that. Uh, he's he's really well geared towards that kind of stuff. Yeah, Bill. yeah. He's a he's you a don't machine. Com- you don't want to compete with that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But yeah, uh, other than that, um, YouTube's still crushing. I mean, you're gonna keep putting out videos. Oh, I actually put out a video today. Uh, cool. kind of forgot with a guy named Ichika over in uh, Japan. He's an absolutely. He's like the most beautiful guitar player I've ever heard. Oh, um, I think I know who that is. Yep. Yeah. And he is so dope. It's yep. insane. Like, he's yeah. so incredible. Yeah. But we did uh, two songs together. Um, the World is Still Beautiful. And then the song I put out today is called Awakening. And then uh, we're releasing, like, an original soon. I th- think it's going to be called Moonfall. We'll see. Okay. Um, but, yeah, and then did some Icy Stars playthroughs and oh, always yeah. always new stuff coming out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's well, up. we'll make sure you guys, uh, E&D fans, we will link all of Luke's stuff below. So if you guys want to check out his social handles, his YouTube, his drum covers, he is insanely talented. Legit my favorite drummer. So, dude, thank you so much for being here, bro. Thank you. That, Thanks for the kind words, man. Dude, of course, man. You are so good. And um, Dude, course, I, I can't wait to just keep watching you. I mean, you're 30. You still have Almost, so dude. much time. You have, fi- you have five years left, man. Two weeks? You have two weeks left. I have two weeks of my 20s left. 
Oh. Two weeks. Oh, wait, in two weeks you're gonna oh, be thirty. Yeah. Damn, bro. No, actually, I'm, I'm excited. Bro. It's not that yeah, bad. It's not. It's not, it's not bad. bad. It's, it's not bad. Good. It's gonna be good. I'm. I'm freaking out because I'm a couple years from hitting that four zero. Yeah. That one. That hurts. Yep. Well, you're, you're killing it. That hurts. You're killing it. But thank you, man. And yeah. I. And honestly, I do feel. I feel. I feel good about where I am in life. I really do. So it's not like. It's not like that. But it is strange. Getting older is kind of weird. Thirties are the new twenties, dude. That's true. Like, when I was growing up, I remember people thinking thirty was dead. Yeah. Like, I remember my mom being <laughs> turning 30 and she was just like, yeah. but it's like, now it's we the, healthy. the way of life has changed a lot. Yeah. It has a changed a lot. lot. No, like, it really people has. People can't get a house now until they're 30. So it's like, yep. it's true. It's like, that's when you, kinda, that's when you start life kind of yeah. in yeah. a weird way. It's really interesting. Hell yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Luke Holland one more time. Uh, Luke Holland. We love you, buddy. Thank you so much. You guys check it out. Luke Holland is here. We got all the info in the bio. Much love. He was not dead. <laughs>